Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So every time a Republican does anything, we're a racist. If you're a white conservative, you're a racist. If you're a black Republican, you're either prop or Uncle Tom. They use the racism card to advance a liberal agenda, and we're tired of it. That's Lindsey Graham, or Lady G, as Jen Psaki calls him. You tell him, Lindsey. Um, by the way, a uh, different topic. I just saw Lindsey Graham saying he owns an AR-15 to protect his home. I think I'm going to buy an AR-15. As a gesture, or do you feel like you want one? Uh, both. Okay. Both of those things. I think because there's going to be a move to outlaw them at some point, uh, any future sales of them, and uh, I just know they're unbelievably efficient for uh, killing uh, rabbits and that sort of stuff. Huh. And I do have that problem. So um, You know, I'm afraid if I get one, I'll suddenly want to murder innocent people. No, wait, I would never hurt anybody who didn't have it coming. They're supposed to be the greatest varmint rifles of all time. If you live out on a country property like we do with uh, with varmints. Yeah, I've, I've shot them on a number of occasions. They're extremely good for blowing up explosives uh, during afternoon uh, shooting parties. Very handy for that. Well, I'm not a crazy person, so I'm not going to do that sort of thing. Well, it's crazy fun. Um, Tannerite, folks. Look it up on the Internet. I Ger-bluey. don't know how much you... Watermelon been... full of explosives. That's a good time. I'm sorry. You were trying to say something relevant. Uh, what was Lindsey Graham talking about there? He was talking about the Georgia, the new Georgia election laws that were decried as... Well, uh, the president himself said last week that they make Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. They're so bad in terms of trying to restrict the vote, particularly the black vote. That's what it's all about. White people trying to stop black people from voting. That's what's going it's on. It's voter suppression. And I haven't heard much pushback from uh, from the Republican Party. It's uh, it's very frustrating. My side never pushes back. I mean, I, I watched some of the Sunday shows, and the guest that was on there is the token conservative. Just had none of this information I'm about to give you. So oh. it's uh, my, my side is terrible at making their argument. But anyway... This is from the Wall Street Journal editorial board. So this is not just an opinion piece. This is the editorial board saying, hey, we want to speak out about this. Jim Eagle and Georgia's voting laws. And the one that's getting the most attention is not even allowing a thirsty voter to have a drink of water or a bite to eat when they've been waiting in the hot sun all day long. That's how evil these Republicans are. And I heard that repeated over and over. Uh, Joe Biden said it was unconscionable over the weekend. Not a glass of water. I mean, what is going on here? And I heard it on the Sunday talk shows over and over again with no pushback from the Republicans. But I'll read from the Wall Street Journal. Georgia passed its overhyped voting law on Thursday, and the news was met with more of the same. President Biden said at his news conference that the voting bills percolating in the GOP state legislatures are un-American, sick, pernicious, and worse. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Come on, man. (laughs) Come on, man, as Mr. Biden likes to say. The comparison is grotesque, and seeing that only requires us swimming sideways for a minute to escape the rip current of the media narrative. Take a look at what's actually in the legislation and what isn't. Before we get to that, comparing something to Jim Crow, which is one of the worst things that has happened in this country's history, just awful. I forget what movie it is that portrays this, but a, a black man or woman walking in to see if they can vote, and they give them the poll test, and they ask him some obscure question. You know, what was the, who was the third person named to the Supreme Court? But this person had really studied up because they knew that they were always going to hit him with this, and they uh, they they said a name, 
And then the person behind the desk says, nope, not right. Try again next year. Won't even tell them, you know. Wow. You just say, no, you're wrong. Right. And, and send them away. I mean, that's so terrible. Horrible. Yeah. And to compare something that's not anywhere near it to that is just, well, it devalues the horror of, of the Jim Crow period. He didn't even just compare it. He said that what's going on in Georgia is significantly worse. That's right. Yeah, that's an obscene thing to it say. It is an awful thing for a president of the United States to say. Back to the Wall Street Journal editorial board. God, just whipping up race hatred. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. It's a heck of a thing to say, man. Georgia's a little confusing. Georgia... <laughs> Who is who is this Jim Eagle? What's he done? Georgia's new law leaves in place Sunday voting, a point of contention with earlier proposals, and I didn't like that, taking away Sunday voting, given that black churches have souls to the polls tradition after services. The legislator rather, legislature rather decided to expand weekend early voting statewide by requiring two Saturdays instead of only one under current law. In total, Georgia offers three weeks of early voting which began wow. last year on October 12th. This is voter not, suppression. This is not exactly restrictive. Compare that with early voting that started October 24th, for instance, in New York, and nobody was complaining about that. The new law also leaves in place no excuses absentee voting. Every eligible Georgia voter will continue to be allowed to request a mail ballot for the sake of simple convenience or for no reason at all. You don't voter need to suppression. have a Again, this is hardly restrictive. More than a dozen states, including Connecticut and Delaware, require mail voters to give a valid excuse. So less restrictive than at least 12 states out there. Including some very blue states. So what does the Georgia law do? First, it gets rid of signature matching, so election workers aren't trying to verify mail ballots by comparing John Hancock's. This subjective process should concern both sides. It creates avenues for contested outcomes with fighting over ambiguous signatures. In 2018, about 2,400 ballots in Georgia were rejected for issues with the signature or oath, so that could be a problem. And a half of those voters were black, so they, uh, they say that could open up problems for both sides. Instead of signature matching, voters will submit a state ID number with their mail ballots and applications. This way, there's no arguing over handwriting. handwriting. The ID number either matches or it doesn't. Georgians who vote in person are already asked to show ID. Anyone who lacks an ID can get one for free. So there was a lot of talk about now having to show a voter ID. They, they already had you had to show ID. This wow. is just a different ID if you want to do the voter match thing, and you can get one for free. Of course, I can't show my ID if I've died of thirst in line. Um... But we'll get to that. I'll skip down to this one. Much hay is being made about a provision that prevents third parties from giving gifts, including food and drink, to those standing in line at the polls. But the point is to prevent activists from showing up in union shirts, or NRA shirts, for that matter, and passing out drinks and snacks with some subtle electioneering thrown in. As as for genuinely thirsty... The new law specifically allows poll workers to provide self-service water from an unattended receptacle. Also, the legislation recognizes that it's a failure if voters stand in line long enough to get thirsty. That's why it says wait times at large precincts must be measured three times every election day. If the line hits an hour, changes are required for the next election. In other words, if it looks like you can't handle your elections, the three times a day we check you ever have a wait of longer than an hour, you know you're going to be under the gun to get that fixed by next time or there will be penalties. And, of course, there's water there. You can get a drink whenever you want to. It just can't be can't provide Morton's sandwiches and sparkling water as the NRA or the teachers union to try to influence voting. That's the only thing that they outlawed. So the and whole, that is portrayed as trying to kill people in line who are dying in the sun. Nice. How outrageous is that? 
by the president. And outrageous that uh, the that I hate to say my side because I'm not a registered Republican, but the other side doesn't do a better job of pushing back against this stuff, even when they have the opportunity. I realize the media doesn't give as much voice to Republican opposition, but I watched the talk shows and there was a token Republican there and they didn't say a freaking thing about the water. They just let the people beat up Georgia about how awful they were. They won't let thirsty people even have a drink. And the Republican just sits there. Doo, 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 twiddling the God, we are so bad at messaging. <laughs> I was just reading a great piece. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's saying essentially the same thing. We're just hapless as conservatives when it comes to messaging and how we used to be so much better about it. The bridge to nowhere. And if they're this incompetent, why would you want them in charge of that? And just good, solid messaging. Of course, the media was a lot more balanced then, too. It was easier to get the the word out, but as you point out, given the opportunity, the conservatives were bad on the Sunday shows. Hey, here's somebody who's really good. A quick word from our sponsor, Simply Safe. If you have 30 minutes, you never have to worry about a break-in at home ever again. That's how quick and easy it is to set up a security system from Simply Safe. It's so easy, actually. You can do it while you're Netflix and something, or watching a game, or listening to perhaps the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, Simply Safe is incredibly easy to customize for your home, whatever kind of home you have. You just go to simplysafe.com/armstrong. And you can easily choose the exact sensors that you need or get help from one of their experts. It'll get to your house in about a week, which means by this time next week, you and your whole family can go to bed knowing your home is being guarded. How great would that be? Protect your stuff. Protect your folks without the expensive long-term contracts or install. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong today to customize your system and get a free security camera because you use our code. It's a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Again, free security camera for you. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. We were uh, mentioning a little bit earlier the state of California is going to add another layer to their rainbow of doom. Um, they have a tiered system like a lot of states do, and uh, so currently purple is the worst, then you go to red, then orange. Anyway, they're going to add a green tier. They haven't decided what restrictions will be involved in a green tier, but they're adding another colored tier, and we suspect that it's an attempt to just keep this thing going longer with, well, a, yeah, with, more, think... with more controls in place. Right, it's truly insidious, because what it's saying is, even when it's over, it's not over. You're still the choke in a chain tier. is still around your neck. Yes, we're on a tier, so if you're on the green tier, clearly we can yank you back and claim to be on the orange tier, meaning the temporary emergency powers are permanent and we'll invoke them whenever we want. It's like snapback sanctions on Iran, the same sort of thing. Yeah. They're still still in place enough that we can go right back to them really fast. And I just wonder if various places around the country, first bad flu or, you know, how many, how many, um, uh, how bird flus, uh, swine flus, avian flu, whatever the heck, we, various things that we've, uh, SARS have we gotten worried about over the years that turned out Baby to be nothing. monkey riding on a pig flu. <laughs> yeah. Just went around the internet. Um, what is it? Monkey pox. Um, how many of these will show up out of nowhere and then they'll, they'll snap back to at least orange tier? I suspect very strongly that this is a pretext for being in a, te- a, a, a permanent state of emergency. Yeah, it's a little worrisome. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's like not declaring a war is over. You reserve the right to attack any time. It's an uneasy truce. It's like the uh, 38th parallel there in uh, 
in Korea. It's ugly. Man, this sounds stupid because they don't even know what the green tier means at this point. They just announced that there is one. But I'm telling you, this is insidious. I think they, they realized, boy, we're going to be out of this thing soon. And then what, what will we do then? What, what will our control be if we need to you know, tell restaurants they can only be half open or something? Or close the schools? We better add another tier. We are so clearly careening from a liberty society to a permission society. You can only do if the government tells you you can, as opposed to the opposite. We're going to have a reporter on a little bit later this hour on the uh, Derek Chauvin trial, which is going on again today, more of the opening statements, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was just thinking, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if Reddit and 4chan had a baby? And presto, 8chan was born. Now posts could be totally anonymous. I don't honestly follow that board. I'm not a political person myself. I make money doing other things. 25% of 8chan is paid for by pigs. Do you think it's possible that your dad is Q? So that's from the new HBO documentary all about QAnon and uh, internet weirdness featuring the people that started 8chan, which is where Q and QAnon got started. Uh, the reference to pigs was the uh, the old man made his money off a pig farm, and that's how he financed starting this whole thing. And My uh, question before we get into serious analysis is, is there some guy somewhere with a timpani who's like making $10 million a year going boom, boom? Boom. That shit, that clip had more pooms than I've ever heard in my life. Play it one more time. Listen to how many pooms there are. I was just thinking, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if Reddit and 4chan had a baby? And presto, 8chan was born. Now posts could be totally anonymous. I don't honestly follow that board. I'm not a political person myself. I make money doing other things. 25% of 8chan is paid for by pigs. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that your dad is Q? I mean, there were more poos per, per minute than anything I've ever heard in my life. Well, not that many people own a timpani, so I suppose you've got the market cornered wherever you are if you have a timpani. Right. Plus, he's got like a, a, a room that's just super reverby because that's really important, too, apparently. And people come to record their commercials at your house. The Ford F-150, boom, boom, boom. Um, but here's more from that documentary, and then we'll discuss a little. What has it been like for you watching the Q movement evolve on HN? I watch it like any other person. I go to the Q research board and see what he's posted and, and read like what people are saying about it. It's interesting. I, I like how uh, Q is very consistent with what he does. To me, it's the biggest factor that Q's real. Currently, they're the most active board on HN by a lot. Recently, QAnon said there's like something like 410,000 users on HN. Q said that? Q said that, which is strange, because how, how does he know? I, I don't even know. How does he know? Um, he doesn't know. He made that up. Or, or is, isn't that the Ron Watkins, the guy who most people think is Q? That, that is. That is what this... Uh, there, there wasn't really a conclusion about who it was, but this documentary, I believe, is working towards mm-hmm. the conclusion that Ron Watkins is behind many, if not all, of the Q posts. Right. And that's who that was. Ron Watkins, son of Jim Watkins, who are the kind of 
Uh, they they purchased 8chan and run it off of their servers based in the Philippines. And the and the b- belief is that that he at the end after the capital was stormed thought, oh wow, these people really believe me. Yes, uh, what have I done? What have I done? That's a problem. Um, uh, Sean made the point before the show that the that the the documentary on HBO ends up being more about the internet world and the kind of people that go on there, and uh, uh, that's what I really find interesting because you know QAnon will come and go, but this this world that we live in now where you can reach out to subsections of society and convince them of very things various things that's not going away oh yeah we still get the the completely committed QAnon emails there are plenty of people who are still on it yeah yeah but but he's not leaving breadcrumbs anymore right i don't think so no it's just it's self-perpetuating at this point it's like elvis you know he's not making records either but there's still plenty of people talking about him Uh uh-huh uh, how many of you folks have seen uh, the storming of the Capitol? <laughs> but so what did they discuss about QAnon if he's gone? I mean, if he is not saying anything. Oh, just the breadcrumbs. There are still breadcrumbs being left. You can see it. This is a great uh, description from Al Anonymous. Uh, first time I heard of Q, it was an A&G listener on Twitter, told me to watch a YouTube video. It was just a standard Trump speech. But then it was the same speech with... Uh, newspaper headlines about child trafficking, flash shots of evil politicians, dramatic music, and I chuckled. You'd never connect the dots except with the dramatic stuff, and so it sways people. Child sex trafficking from world leaders around the world. Hmm. Armstrong and Getty. drug use playing a central role. The prosecution arguing Floyd did not die of a drug overdose because he built a tolerance, struggling with an addiction for years. Prosecutors also argued Floyd's behavior in the video was not consistent with someone overdosing and passing out. Rather, videos show Floyd being killed while unarmed in police custody. His size is no excuse. There were five grown men, armed police officers who were on the scene over a fake $20 bill. Chauvin's defense hit back, saying Chauvin was following his training, kneeling on Floyd's neck. Derek Chauvin did exactly what he had been trained to do over the course of his 19-year career. The defense painted Floyd as a criminal drug abuser who resisted arrest, saying Floyd took a lethal amount of drugs, a speedball, and fell asleep in his car outside of Cup Foods. He did not comply with police and ended up on the ground because three former officers could not contain him. What was Mr. Floyd's actual cause of death? The evidence will show that Mr. Floyd died of a cardiac arrhythmia. Oh, boy, so did he die basically of a drug overdose, or did he die because of the knee on his neck? Is that the argument? Wow, that could well be the argument. And let's bring in a special guest to discuss that and more. Leo Terrell is a civil rights attorney, Fox News contributor, host of the podcast, Leo Terrell, America's fair-minded civil rights attorney. Leo, how are you, sir? Man, thank you for having me. I'm fine. I just came back from Minneapolis, but I'm glad to be on your show to talk about this very hard, difficult, unusual, and national impact case. Well, it is that, and I just want to say personally, I've really appreciated your commentary on it so far because 
to to try to whip people up on one side or the other, as opposed to all approaching this as Americans who want to make sure everybody's civil rights are available to them. I just think it's dangerous and it's ugly. I think you're 100% right. And let me be very clear. I think what the uh, attorney Benjamin Crump did and Al Sharpley did yesterday uh, outside the courthouse uh, was an insult to the rule of law. This case is being tried inside a courtroom, not in the court of public opinion. I'll let the facts play out in the courtroom. But I think what they did yesterday was an insult, coupled with the fact that they announced a civil settlement. They did nothing more than try to influence the jury pool. I found it disgusting. Is it going to come down to did he die of a drug overdose or was the knee the cause? Is that really going to be the whole the whole thing? I think that will be a major significant factor. And I think the second part will be whether or not the use of force was in police policy. And that is going to be the battle of the expert. You're going to have a battle of the experts on the medical causation and a battle of the experts on police tactics and training. Those are going to be the two key significant issues that the jury will have to decide. Leah, what were your impressions of the opening statements yesterday? Well, I'll tell you right now, in my opinion, I thought uh, the prosecution is very clear. They're going to rely on the nine-minute video where uh, the defendant officer is kneeling on George Floyd's neck. My suggestion is do not overplay it because you will numb the jury, Mm. a la Rodney King, first trial. You overplay it, you numb the jury. I think Mm. that if the prosecution focuses just on that uh, video, they're going to leave out other significant facts a la the defense. The defense wants to show the jury the totality of everything and how George Floyd was acting prior to the kneeling on his neck. And I think as a juror, I want to know all the facts. All the defense has to do is get one juror to say, you know what, I don't see beyond a reasonable doubt, therefore I'm going to hang up this jury and you're going to have a mistrial. So I'll tell you right now, pressure all on the prosecution I also believe they overcharged the case. Oh, really? Go go into detail on that. Why do you think so? Because a second-degree murder case uh, charge, which they have against uh, the officer, implies some form of intent. And if I'm the prosecutor, I'm, I mean, if I'm the defense attorney, I would put the uh, Derek Chavin on the witness stand and say, I never intended to kill this man. And I think the second-degree murder charge, I think, was a politically motivated charge to please uh, a certain uh, segment of the country, and I think it's overcharging. I think involuntary manslaughter, you want to get a conviction, you don't overcharge, and I think that the second-degree murder charge asks for too much of a mental intent on the part of this officer to kill George Floyd. I don't believe he had the mental intent to kill George Floyd. You know, we can certainly go back to the particulars of the trial, Jack, if you'd like to in a minute. But, Leo, as long as you mention that, and we're talking to Leo Terrell, civil rights attorney, host of the podcast, Leo Terrell, America's fair-minded civil rights attorney. We're pretty concerned that given some of the, the race baiting and the whipping of people up, um, that if there is an acquittal or even a hung jury, American cities are going to burn. There's going to be a lot of violence. Uh, is that uh, an unfounded fear or do you agree? You're uh, a trillion percent correct. I think regardless of the outcome, uh, in celebration of a char- of a conviction, uh, a hung jury, a-, a mistrial, 
an acquittal. You're going to have city burning. You're going to have Democratic cities burning because I know this sounds crazy. But it seems to me that the allegation of racism, white supremacy, has been utilized to the advantage of a particular political party. I don't want to mention any party, the Democrats. And I think it's been played up to a point where it's, it's thrown out there automatically, automatically. Right. And I find, it as, I find it insulting as a civil rights attorney, uh, and I find it uh, also insulting, because, and that was the reason why I left the Democratic Party. Well, the Al Sharpton crowd outside the courthouse yesterday, they said this trial is, a, is about putting the entire American justice system on trial. So, of course, you know, you make the stakes that big, and uh, you're, you're setting the scene for a lot of mayhem, unfortunately. Hey, are they... I'm concerned they're not going to be able to keep the uh, the the jurors' identities secret, and you know if any of their names get out, they're going to be fearing for their lives. I'm afraid. I think you're 100 percent correct. I think this jury should have been sequestered. I mean, you look at what the shenanigans Al Sharpton and Ben Crump did yesterday. Uh, how in the world are you going to keep these jurors protected? from the social media that's out there bombarding the entire world on this case. The entire world is watching this case. It's being televised. And this jury was not sequestered. Shame, shame on the jury system, on the criminal justice system. This jury should have been shielded from the Al Sharpton, from all the court of public opinion that's out there that's going to be bombarding them for the next six or seven weeks. Leo Terrell is a civil rights attorney and host of the podcast, Leo Terrell, America's fair-minded civil rights attorney. Leo, I hope we can stay in touch because we really value people like you who actually are trying to protect people's civil rights and, and trying to improve the country as opposed to tearing it apart. So great to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. I find it an honor to be on your program. Please feel free to call me again. We will. We that's, will indeed. That was good stuff right there. So yeah. uh, I'm not a lawyer, um, and I'm not very bright. So uh, I was wondering about this. So if if you are going to lynch someone and they have a heart attack before you do it, are you still guilty of the same thing? Um, no, no, this person died yeah, of a heart you, attack. Yeah, if you are found to have caused their death through terrorizing them, yeah, you're a murderer. So how do you tell how do you tell what was going on in this case? I mean, I realize he gobbled up a whole bunch of drugs, what made which made the likelihood of his heart giving out a lot higher. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I'd be pretty dang scared if I was on the ground and somebody is kneeling on my neck. Oh, oh yeah, and you'd be agitated, maybe angry. You'd be a hundred different things. And he's you'd overweight. Not be he's relaxed. a big overweight guy, right? A, well, a guy and- that looks like him could have a heart attack from that without the drugs. So I don't. How do you how do you separate that those things? Well, to get back to your horrifying hypothetical, um, I stand by my answer, but I would add it would be harder to get a conviction. Um, and and to your question, your most recent question, Leo's commentary, it's going to be all about m- competing medical experts saying, oh, the kneeling on the neck was most of it. He'd be up and playing basketball today if it weren't for the kneeling on the neck. And then you're going to have a doctor come in there and swear up and down that, Oh, this guy was in the midst of excited delirium. He'd had a drug overdose. He was overweight. He had heart problems. He had a hundred different things going on. And he was killed by the pressure of the overdose. A man of his age and, and, and you know, physique should not be overdosing on drugs. It killed him. And we'll see what the jury believes. Or, more accurately, more accurately, we'll see if anybody can convince all 12 of them one way or fail to convince them mm-hmm. all. Uh, I think there's an excellent chance of a hung jury mistrial and then the big controversy over whether to retry him.
Well, that's a guess. And then he's going to have to, if he if he ends up free to go, he's going to have to change his name and move to another country. I mean, what's, oh, what's he going to yeah. do with his life? Oh, he's got to think about facial reconstructive surgery yeah. or at least a beard or something. Like he, know. you know, like he outed uh, El Chapo or something. I mean, yeah, he's going to have to go into hiding. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, honestly, I, I doubt very strongly that he will be convicted of anything truly significant. On the other hand, you know, I watched that video and I think that is a cruel son of a bitch. You should not be a police officer. No. Pardon my French, folks. No, he um, he was angry. He was acting out of anger. Yeah, he was trying to administer punishment, which is not for cops to do. I understand. I understand. Uh, that doesn't mean I approve that you get a little mad, you hot under the collar, the adrenaline's flowing, the rest of it. Maybe an extra lick feels good, but man, we cannot permit that in this country. So Nike is suing Little Nas X, saying you don't get to make some sort of Nike shoe with blood in it, 666, using our swoosh. You know, I'm a free speech guy, but we need some sort of statute against obvious publicity ploys. <laughs> No kidding. No kidding. Oh, Satan shoes. That's controversial. Oh, no. What about the children? Twitter exploded. (laughs) Claps back. Christian activists, blah, blah, blah. Et cetera. Candace Owens says, yeah, it's just just such an obvious industry. I got an interesting thing from a couple of women's. Uh, Elizabeth Warren said something crazy. Marjorie Taylor Greene said something kind of crazy. Oh, boy. Bipartisan crazy women. That's nice. That's nice. Among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Blondes here before we move on to other stuff. Elizabeth Warren and Marjorie Taylor Greene, one a Democrat, one a Republican. Elizabeth Warren said, talking about canceling $50,000 worth of student loan debt for everyone in America. If you don't have student loan debt, you love this plan because this is about lifting up everyone. What? No, if I don't have (laughs) student loan debt, either because I paid mine off or didn't go to college... I don't love paying for somebody else that decided to borrow it. I don't pay it as I went. Right. Yeah. You can say that that I love it, but I don't love it. I don't love it. Wow. I don't love you anymore. Wow. Does that work on anyone? And then Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Republican side said that a vaccine passport, which is being uh, talked about, Mm -hmm. is, quote, Biden's mark of the beast. Oh, God. And that any company that requires one is engaging in corporate communism. Wait a minute. Am I a Satanist or a communist? Kind of an evil combo. A communist Satanist. I'm probably wearing those Nas X shoes. (laughs) 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 Biden's mark of the beast. That's what I told you yesterday. Come on. It's the MOB. Oh, speaking of politicians, this is pretty funny. I haven't heard it yet, but I hear it's funny. There's this dude, name of Dan Rodimer, I believe. Is that correct, Positive Sean? Correct, sir. This guy ran for Congress in uh, the uh, suburbs of, uh, was it Reno? Reno suburbs in Nevada. 
and he was uh, a wholesome uh, Midwestern or, you know, uh, you know, Western Plains dad and a nice fellow you could trust. Here in he Sparks, was, we raise kids right. Exactly. And then uh, then he failed at that, so he took off his cardigan sweater and went down to run in Texas where he's passing himself off as a tough-talking uh, Texas cattleman or something. Go are ahead. There, are there many people that do that? That that uh, I know beauty queens do that. Do uh, do Congress people do that? You travel sure. around to states where there's an opening or you think you can win? and District shop. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that. I don't know how common it is, but let's go ahead and hear from this guy. This is the same man, Dan Rodimer, as a congressional candidate last year in Nevada. I'm just a small businessman, a family man, living in the suburbs. And Dan Rodimer now as a candidate for a U.S. House seat in Texas. Texas, send Big Dan to Congress. I know how to handle Nancy Pelosi and stop her bull****. The transformation. Oh, guess what he was stepping in when he said that. <laughs> awesome. It is impossible to overlook. Gone is the suburban family guy. Sometimes it's easy to lose track of what's really important. And for me, it's family. Rodimer is now pitching himself as a bull rider and cowboy hat wearer who speaks with a southern drawl. Now that's Texas tough, baby. So which is closer to what he is? The suburban... Uh... Cardigan sweater family man, or? Well, somebody whispered in my ear that the guy's actually some sort of pro wrestler. Is that correct? Uh, he, he had a, I believe, like a one year contract with kind of a smaller, uh, pro wrestling outfit. My guess, I, I believe he was a, a college athlete, probably tried to make a run using his physicality in some ways as a career. So, now that's Texas tough, baby. <laughs> he washed out of second tier pro wrestling <laughs> yes. and decided to run for Congress. That math works. <laughs> That's the next step on the ladder. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's easy to lose track of what's really important. Especially when you're riding a boat. It's family. <laughs> Texas, send Big Dan to Congress. I know how to handle Nancy Pelosi. That's pretty funny. So oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> our executive producer Hanson didn't though, didn't like the uh, the the wrestler talk, the tough talking talk. Didn't think it was very good. Wanted to give us an example of what real wrestlers are supposed to sound like when you're talking tough. You're talking to the Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kiss stealing woo wheeling dealing limousine riding jet flying son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Is that the great Ric Flair? <laughs> Legend. <laughs> so, okay, so executive producer Hansen's opinion is that guy didn't take it far enough right. over the top. Well, yeah. I don't know. He's right. Texas tough, baby. <laughs> he sounded like a second-tier wrestler. They, there was a dumb controversy about this, well, dumber than the rest of it, um, where in his Texas commercial he's riding a bull, and a bunch of people thought, that's not even him on the bull. Well, yeah, no kidding. They used a stunt double. <laughs> You didn't catch him in that. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I wow. would think that uh, that y- your opponent would say, he just moved here six months ago. You don't want somebody representing us who just moved here. Doesn't that happen a lot? Uh, yeah, the whole carpetbagger thing. You hear that from time to time. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that'll come up in the race. I don't see the guy succeeding it much. I'm afraid he's headed for an early grave. <laughs> now that's Texas tough, baby. Woo! <laughs> oh, that was Ric Flair. I got him mixed up. Yeah.
Yeah. So the lady from the CDC is full of crap. The more I read about it, the more I think that's true. Okay. She has been ordered to uh, come back to the reservation by the Biden administration. Now is uh, spouting their nonsense. Bill Maher, again, riding to the defense of civil liberties and going hard against the woke crowd. We've got a couple of his clips. Glenn Greenwald, actually, on that very subject, has been writing eloquently and powerfully about the scolds in the lefty media and how evil they are, how they've made a career out of persecuting the powerless at the bidding of the powerful. It's really good. Really good. And we'll post it in a few minutes at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll try to give you a, you know a little feel for it next hour. I saw there was a court ruling on the CDC's powers yesterday that went against the CDC, reining them in on just a little bit. We'll have to talk about that later. Oh, yeah, I'd like to hear more about that. As they started deciding they could make all kinds of decisions about our uh, economy all across the land that they don't necessarily have the power to do. But all of that's trivia compared to advice from a listener, a life hack, if you will, for how to always have fresh, responsive underpants. Never saggers, never you, baggers. Well, when they start, when the elastic is shot, you buy new underwear and throw the old no, ones away. That's no, what you do. Not good enough. No, that's how you end up with saggy, baggy drawers. By the way, I brought up the idea of wanting to put Velcro on underwear, and somebody said <laughs> underwear with Velcro is called a diaper, <laughs> which is a decent point. <laughs> oh boy, Guilty. he's like a little baby. Well, yeah, I, I, I may have called for adjustable waistbands, like the tuxedo pants, or like you're an high school band. A diaper. Uh, our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC.